This morning, our scripture reading concludes the book of Romans. The sermon series is Romans, the Reason for Grace. The title of today's sermon is Revelation in Response. Please follow along in your Bible, or you can use the screens. I'll be reading from Romans 16 from the New American Standard Version. Romans 16. I commend to you our sister Phoebe, who is a servant of the church which is at Centria, that you receive her in the Lord in a manner worthy of the saints, and that you help her in whatever matter she may have need of you. For she herself has also been a helper of many, and of myself as well. Greet Prisca and Aquila, my fellow workers in Christ Jesus, who for my life risk their own necks, to whom not only do I give thanks, but also all the churches of the Gentiles. Also greet the church that is in their house. Greet Eponidas, my beloved, who is the first convert to Christ from Asia. Greet Mary, who has worked hard for you. Greet Andronicus and Junius, my kinsmen, and my fellow prisoners, who are outstanding among the apostles, who also were in Christ before me. Greet Ampelitus, my beloved in the Lord. Greet Urbanus, our fellow worker in Christ, and Stachys, my beloved. Greet Apelles, the approved in Christ. Greet those who are of the household of Aristobulus. Greet Herodian, my kinsman. Greet those of the household of Narcissus who are in the Lord. Greet Typhrenia and Tryphosia, workers in the Lord. Greet Persis, the beloved, who has worked hard in the Lord. Greet Rufus, a choice man in the Lord, also his mother and mine. Greet Asyncritus, Phlegon, Hermes, and Patrobus, Hermes, and the brethren with them. Greet Philologus and Julia, Nereus and his sister, and Olympus, and all the saints who are with them. Greet one another with the holy kiss. All the churches of Christ greet you. Now I urge you, brethren, keep your eye on those who cause dissensions and hindrances, contrary to the teaching which you learned and turned away from them. For such men are slaves, not of our Lord Christ, but of their own appetites. And by their smooth and flattering speech, they deceive the hearts of the unsuspecting. For the report of your obedience has reached to all. Therefore, I'm rejoicing over you. But I want you to be wise in what is good and innocent in what is evil. The God of peace will soon crush Satan under your feet. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you. Timothy, my fellow worker, greets you. And so do Lucius and Jason and Sosipater, my kinsmen. I, Teresius, who write this letter, greet you in the Lord. Gaius, host to me, and to the whole church greets you. Erastus, the city treasure, greets you, and Cordus, the brother. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you all. Amen. Now to him who is able to establish you according to my gospel and the preaching of Jesus Christ, according to the revelation of the mystery which has been kept secret for long ages past, but now is manifested, and by the scriptures of the prophets according to the commandment of the eternal God, has been made known to all the nations, leading to obedience of faith, to the only wise God, through Jesus Christ, be the glory 
forever. Amen. This is the word of the Lord. Good morning. Doesn't it feel like it's been a full service already? (laughs) All you clock watchers out there, shame on you. Two others and I, along with uh, a few others from another church, we were in Nicaragua with Free Wheelchair Mission, and this is a picture, uh, sorry to be um, self-promoting here, but uh, my wife really likes this picture, and I rarely am in pictures because I'm always behind the camera. Uh, It was a wonderful, wonderful trip. Special thanks to those of you who supported us and helped us to go. Uh, There are many things that we can say about a missions trip, and it has an impact, and there's a reaction in us that um, is strong and deep. And uh, before it begins to fade, I wanted to share some of that and try to work that into the sermon a little bit today. On paper, my sermon's about 20 minutes, so uh, we'll take it from there. It's easy to step into a foreign culture and do what uh, sociologists call Uh, polarized. That means that we either idealize somebody else's culture or our own or demonize somebody else's culture or our own. You ever have that experience where as you're beginning to experience a different culture, you just start loving everything about their culture and you start feeling kind of a a negativity towards your own. That's what a lot of uh, folks who go on missions trips experience when they come back to their own country. It's uh, sort of re-entry shock, if you will. Say, why do Americans waste so much food? Or why are Americans so entitled? Over there, you know, so you begin to do uh, what they call polarization. And uh, there's a little bit of that here that I experience. Uh, One thing I learned there also is that Uh, really, the free wheelchair mission does not need Americans to go over there to deliver chairs or assemble chairs. For example, we had this American team that were well-trained, and uh, we wanted to teach the locals over there at the free wheelchair mission warehouse in Nicaragua how to assemble a wheelchair. And so we set up shop in front of them. They were all sitting in a circle around us. We set up a video camera, and we asked them, you know, to pay attention, and then we started assembling the chair. It took us 46 minutes to assemble one chair. (laughs) And then we asked them to now demonstrate before us what they've learned. And they took eight minutes to assemble. (laughs) These are timed. There's no exaggeration here. Uh, They have been doing this for nine years. Uh, You know, two shipping containers a year, now asking for a third. They do not need Americans to go over there to show them how to do it. Uh, But what they really need, what they really long for in their hearts and practically is for the relationship. They want to feel connected to a church that is beyond them. You know, because it can be very isolating over there and feel like, are we on our own doing what we can? Is there a larger church behind us? And the affirmation that we came to provide to say, you guys are doing awesome. You're doing the Lord's work. You're being a light and salt in this city. And we will continue to partner with you. We will keep supplying wheelchairs. This was the uh, greatest gift that we can give to them. Uh, Speaking of partnership, uh, we did a fundraising effort 
last October, and we were able to raise almost 2,000 chairs. That's a lot of chairs. The goal for this coming October in 2014 is for our church to buy 2,014 chairs. And every chair we buy is matched. So all we have to do is buy half of that amount, and we will have 2,014 chairs donated to this mission from our church. So if you're, not, uh, if you're looking for a place to give, that is a great uh, worthy cause. Uh, when we were over there in Nicaragua, we saw problems galore. And it's not as veiled as it is here. It's sort of in your face. It's the second poorest country in our hemisphere. So we really saw that poverty on every level. Yes, financially they were poor, but socially and structurally and in their thinking and philosophy, there was a lot of poverty. There's a vulnerability there uh, that we don't see right away here in America. But for every problem that I was able to identify in my mind, I said, you know, why don't they just do X instead of Y? For every thought like that that I had, as I thought about it, there were 12 other problems connected to that one problem. And then those 12 each had 12 rooted issues of their own. And you begin to realize it is impossible to solve these problems without the whole nation changing. But in the midst of that complexity... This wheelchair became a bright light. It just cut through all the clutter and complexity and it shouted out that God sees you. God loves you. You know, with children present in this room, I don't want to go into the details of how wretched and how just intolerable some of the things that happened there are. Uh, Whatever the worst thing you can imagine is multiply that exponentially. It is bad, as bad as it can get. There there are not a lot of ways for people to feel seen. You know what the most common reframe was that we heard from them? Please don't forget me. Some of them are literally hidden away because of a shame factor in their culture about disabilities. It is a dark, dark place and at times Very dark indeed. But free wheelchair mission, we show up, we travel three hours to deliver one chair to one forgotten soul, and all of a sudden, instantly, they feel for the first time like God loves, God cares, there's hope. And the recipients of the wheelchairs and uh, the family that surrounds them to take care of them would want to accept Christ for the first time. And they could, we couldn't stop them from doing it because they were overwhelmed with the love of God through the wheelchair. So it's an amazing experience. I saw, we saw the church at work. The church wasn't a club. It wasn't an affinity organization. It wasn't some uh, preference or uh, like-minded people coming together, but it was the light of the world. It was the salt of the earth And we literally were bearers of hope. And and the work of the church is directly connected to the love of God and the realness of God in such a dark context. So it was an amazing experience. Uh, As we read today's passage, didn't Brent do a great job? I thought, I said to Brent, Brent, if you can't read this chapter, you should not be installed here. (laughs) And uh, he nailed it. He He did a fantastic job. Um, but we are finishing our Roman series today, and what makes this chapter challenging, 
uh, for us is that it's not very thematic. So there isn't just one thing, but Paul is sort of making commentary. But as I study the chapter more and more, I began to see some themes emerge. And uh, what I want to do with us today is to glean some truths about the church. That the church uh, is the response to God and to the world. Response to what? It's the response to the revelation, the self-revelation of God. So God begins to reveal himself, his love, his character, his traits, who he is. And he does that in the final word through the face of Jesus Christ. And now through the presence of the Holy Spirit, God reveals himself then and now continuously. And we respond as the church. And this revelation and response movement, this is what we have come to call worship or worthship. We learn about God. We see who God really is. And then we say to ourselves, my God, you alone are worthy. I want to give you my whole life. I want to live for you. I don't want to live uh, for myself because I'm not worthy. I don't want to live for this other organization or this person. Nobody is worthy. You alone are worthy. You alone are beautiful. You alone are great. And that response out of us is worship. And us doing it together, embodying that response to divine self-revelation, that is worship or worship, attributing worth to God and the church's worship personified. Okay? Two things, revelation and response. Okay. Uh, let's zero in on verses 25 to 27, which some commentators say is one of the greatest uh, benedictions out there. Let me read it for us. Now to him who is able to establish you according to my gospel and the preaching of Jesus Christ according to the revelation of the mystery which has been kept secret for long ages past, but now is manifested by the scriptures of the prophets according to the commandment of the eternal God, has been made known to all the nations, leading to obedience of faith, to the only wise God through Jesus Christ, be the glory forever. Amen. This is a good word, this is a blessing, this is a charge. But the phrase, the idea I want to underscore for us here is this. Revelation of the mystery which has been kept secret for long ages past. Paul is saying that the gospel of Jesus Christ is a kind of secret. That humanity and even angels have been trying to figure it out, but they haven't been able to. I know it seems obvious, it's like God loves you. It's like, yeah, love is a thing. But in the process, in the progression of history, this was not an obvious thing. God was not love. God was a cosmic killjoy. He was a a tyrant, a controller, somebody who was fickle and unreliable, somebody with mood swings and somebody who can do at their whim whatever they wanted to do or not want to do. And we had to satisfy and satiate these gods. We had to keep these gods at bay. We had to make sacrifices. In Nicaragua, we visited an active volcano. If you look through the album, you'll see some of these pictures. And we saw the history of the children and the virgins that were sacrificed in these volcanoes. Paintings by the natives depicting the rituals. 
And you know what stopped it? You know why they ceased the sacrifices? It was the gospel. God already loves us. And Jesus was the perfect sacrifice. What? Really? Yeah. You don't have to pay your dues. All your debts have been paid. And it was a revelation. And Paul says this has been now made known through the cross. Before the erecting of the cross, humanity did not know that God loved in that manner to such an extent. And before the Holy Spirit was given, we could not know. We could not cry out, Abba, Father. We couldn't call God Daddy. The question is, can humanity, apart from the revelation of God, learn about the love of God? Can I learn? And the answer is no. I can study love for my whole life. I can study. I can have the perfect parents, a perfect mom, dad, brothers and sisters, authority figures, be part of a government that loves and cares, and still I would not come to know the love of God that is in Christ Jesus because the love of God is entirely different. The scriptures in Ephesians tell us that God's love is so wide and tall and broad and deep that we cannot know the love of God. It's not knowable. Well, how do we come to know it then? Through, as Paul says, revelation. God has to break into our mind, into our world as a completely alien force. We will never ever get it right. What we intuit from this world, from our experiences, doesn't lead to us concluding that God is a God of all grace and that he sent his one and only son to die for us, to help redeem our lives and to save us from our sins. That, my friends, is completely foreign and apart from Christ does not exist. And this is the mystery that has been made known to all the nations, leading to obedience, not of morality or of obedience of obedience, but of faith, that we put our trust And God is the only wise God who through Christ has forever executed this. And so we call this glory. Remember the road to Emmaus. Jesus walking with these disciples. They could not for the life of them figure out why Jesus had to die. Until Jesus sat with them and broke the bread. And as Jesus broke the bread, all of a sudden revelation came. The Holy Spirit came. Oh my gosh. Of course, he had to die. That's what scriptures say, that Jesus had to die. There's no other way. It's either he dies or we die. And so he died. That is the revelation. Let me give you a quick example of this. This is what uh, uh, sociologists and psychologists have put together Uh, without the revelation of God, this is what we are left with. The first is what I would call archaic. That means that we're just in survival mode. And that becomes our gospel. Do what you can to survive. Step on who you have to step on. Tell the lies you need to tell. Create the habits that you need. Get the addictions that you want. And just survive. Just make it. Live out of your reptilian brain. Fight or flight. Okay, that's archaic. That's one mode of living, one level of consciousness. Another level is what I would call the mythical, and that's the superstition. And that's 
You don't know what's out there. There are forces that are beyond you. And you better do something. Rub your rabbit's foot or, you know, uh, have some superstitious routine that you do. Whatever you got to do. Because the gods are unknowable. And they don't love. They are fickle. Sometimes their fickleness aligns with what you want, but often it doesn't. And droves of people live like this. People who don't understand the actual God. Really, at their base level, what they have is a superstitious understanding of God. And there are many of us in this room who operate in this mode or level of consciousness. Or there are some of us with more, a greater sense of power or will. That's another way to live. We're just going to make this happen. Self-determinism. I have the resources. I have money. I have competency. I have the network that I need. My basic needs are met, so I'm not in survival mode. I don't have to be mythical because I have control. A fourth way is the moral way of living. It's just, you know what? Let's just create order. Let's just live exactly the right way. What are the rules? I will stick to the rules, and everything will happen according to the rules. I know by my goodness, I will put God in my debt, and he will owe me. Many of us operate in this manner. What about the modern way? Let's reason this out. Let's just think this through, because life has to be logical. It has to just make sense. Does it make sense? Does it not make sense? Is it measurable? Is it quantifiable? Can I read an article about it? Is somebody doing research about it? This is another way to live. And lastly, we have a flat or relative way of living. Let's just make sure everybody is valid, everybody is important, even the smallest of voices should be heard. And this is what we have now affectionately come to call postmodernism for the last 50 years. And so you may find yourself in a multiple of these categories. And it's easy, day by day, moment by moment, you assess your own life to be in one of these modes. And into this world, into this framework, the gospel of Jesus Christ breaks in and says, nope, there's another one. A personal way to live. That It's not that none of those things are true, but that there is such a thing as grace. And he loves you and he knows you and he, he sees the details of your life. You know, I often would hear Christians saying something like, you know, I really wanted to... Uh, you know, find a parking spot, and I prayed, and I found a parking spot. It was perfect. And then a part of me says, what's wrong with you? But then another part of me says, of course God is helping you, because he's personal. Whatever you care about, he cares about way more. I don't care about your parking spot. That's why I'm not God. If I was God, you would have to be in, like, mythical mode all the time, because I would just just at my whim, just uh, squish this one and squish that one. Find you a parking spot. I'm going to blow up your car just for the heck of it. There's a video I'll show later of uh, this Nicaraguan family uh, praying to accept Christ for the first time. 
Uh, and it's so powerful. It was such a moving moment. But they were doing that because for the first time, there was a revelation, an experience of the personal, gracious God of the Bible breaking into their very superstitious, moral world. Can't help it. Revelation draws out a response. And I got to tell you, my whole story, the whole story, the Peter Song story, really is about the work of God to show me his grace in a personal way. That I don't have to be in survival mode. I don't have to be superstitious. I don't have to be mythical. It's not about my morality. It's not just reasoning. It's not just my will. It's not about everybody gets love, so I get love too. It's not just relative like that. But it's God, personal, died for me, cares for me, redeeming my personal life. And if I can trust that, I'm centered and I'm good. That's revelation. Now, response. Uh, Paul here lists out a wonderful response. Uh, The first thing I want to point out is the affirmation of women in this passage. And let me say this, because I do feel strongly about this, and I've been saying it for years as a a pastor in the Covenant Church. Uh, We believe as a Covenant Church in the uh, affirmation of all of the gifts in men and women. And we believe that women can be uh, serving the body of Christ in any and every capacity according to their gifts and according to the call of uh, the church. Not every church believes this. Not every denomination believes this. Uh, Paul here, I think we see women as elders and even as apostles here in this list. And this is a a confounding list for many uh, theologians and historians. They don't understand how the dude who wrote all these letters about how women should wear long hair and be taught by men are now including women in this long list of people that he's greeting in the Lord as apostles and as elders and deacons of the church. It's very confusing to people. But here it is. We live, okay, you ready? We live in a misogynistic world. And men, if you are a man, you don't understand this. If you are a woman, you're going, yup. Ever since the very first moment, Adam threw Eve under the bus and said, nope, not me, it was her. Ever since that faithful moment, world history And world news has been abusive and hateful towards women because we hate those who are weaker. We will take advantage of those who love and care, who are thinking beyond themselves. We will do that. This is what humanity does apart from the redemption of Christ. And so turn on the news. Ask the questions. Open your eyes. This world for as long as it's existed, has hated on women. And Jesus comes, and he starts letting women follow him. For the first time, there was no rabbi who had ever done that before. And then Paul takes it even further and says, not only are women going to be the very first witnesses of the gospel and of the resurrection, they're going to be the messengers and the preachers and the ones who embody the gospel of Jesus Christ, including them, Not setting them above, but setting them as equal to men. And I know some of you in here may disagree with me or the Covenant Church, but that is my reading of Scripture and conviction of my life and heart. The church 
What we love, what human beings love, is what they would call homogeneity. You know, and we even developed during the church growth movement a principle. We call it the homogenous unit principle. And church growth experts said, if you want your church to grow, go out into the suburbs and grow with like people. People that you like because they're just like you. This is officially in the books from 1970 on. How to grow the American church. Lots of denominations started uh, with this in mind. Homogenous unit principle. But this list includes Jews, Gentiles, men, women, young, wealthy, poor. It includes countries, people groups, including even the very first Asian Christian. Shout out to my Asian, no? (laughs) That was poor, you guys. Jesus himself, during his ministry time, commanded the broadest spectrum of people. How did Jesus do that? How was he able to gather all these young people and Jews and Gentiles and sick and healthy sinners, saints? How was he able to be compelling and attractive to such a broad spectrum of people? I want to suggest to you that growth is not through sameness, but really through love. And what we see in this passage is that Diversity is never the goal. It's not the goal. It's not the gospel. But it is a natural outcome of a church who's united in purpose. That when we gather around a common purpose, a common mission, and as we align our allegiance to that, then we look around and we suddenly find, oh, people kind of look different. They act different. They're from different cultures. Oh, well, here we go. And we grow through what theologians call heterogeneity, diversity in the deepest of levels because nothing is deeper than the love of God that is in Christ. Uh, I was reading some new research this week that uh, we are friends with each other and we choose our life partners based on things like how we smell, based on an advantageous immune system, uh, not so with the church. 26 individuals are named. Four times Paul uses the phrase in Christ. Five times he used the phrase in the Lord. Two times sister or brother. Four times he used the word beloved. Two times fellow worker. Six times house churches. And all of that he concludes in verse 25 by using the singular you where you would expect the plural you. And he's conveying that we are the family, we are united in Christ as diverse as we might be, men, women, young, old, rich, poor. Here we are, the church of Jesus Christ. And it's what the Bible calls fellowship. Nope, not the hall upstairs. Fellowship is the Greek word koinonia, and it means that we are best friends through a common mission. We would not be friends otherwise, but we happen to be friends we can't help but be friends because we are on a same mission and so we have the fellowship of the ring natural enemies who become the best of friends through this common mission of destroying this ring of power in the fires of mount mordor yes and so here we are and so the evangelical covenant church calls us mission friends that we are friends through the mission 
By the way, there is a phrase that we hear all the time, and the phrase is, uh, blood is thicker than water, right? Uh, and the phrase has come to mean that family is closer than friends. Actually, the historical uh, origin of that phrase is the exact opposite. The phrase goes like this. The blood of the covenant is thicker than the water of the womb. Meaning that actually, friends on mission are closer together than people who are joined together by the waters of the womb. And the scripture verifies that in Proverbs 18. And it says, a friend is closer than a brother. Now, as we conclude, just watch this silent video. It's in Spanish, so I thought I wouldn't play it. But it's us, uh, this family accepting Christ here. Verse 27 says this, To the only wise God, through Jesus Christ, be the glory forever. Amen. To the only wise God, through Jesus Christ, be the glory forever. Amen. Jesus' prayer for us as a church was that we be united. And when we are united in diversity, then the world would know that God sent His Son. And so this is my prayer for you. May the love of God the Father, the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be embodied in you, worshiper of God. May the world come to know our God through our church in diversity and unity. Amen.